Pastor Xavier Reese and the secret to spiritual victory. Remember, Paul is in prison. Paul is there, and there's a guard guarding him uh, of the elite, the Praetorium Guard. And he's making the analogies of the warfare in the spirit. The victory in spiritual warfare depends on the believer's responsibility to take up the whole armor of God. Oh, make sure that you get up with your whole armor. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. How many times have you heard someone caught in a dilemma say, I didn't see that coming? Well, according to the Bible, there is no such thing as a surprise attack. In fact, the enemy is constantly on the prowl, attacking whenever he sees fit. Today, as he concludes his study from the book of Ephesians, Pastor Xavier reminds us that there is a way we can always be ready to fend off the constant attacks of the enemy. Now let's join him for today's message, Standing to be Victorious. The morning of December 7th, 1941, found 353 Japanese airplanes swarming all over Pearl Harbor. Within a couple of hours, America lost eight big battleships, six major airfields, and 2,400 men. This happened at 7 a.m. in the morning in what was supposedly a surprise attack. But that morning at 7 a.m., while Japanese airplanes were 137 miles away, 50 minutes, two U.S. soldiers on a small radar saw dots appear and more dots appearing until the whole screen was filled. These soldiers notified their youthful supervisor, a lieutenant. No other officer was around. It was Sunday. The lieutenant thought these must be planes from California. And without another thought, he said these words, don't worry about it. Such is the attitude and carelessness of some believers about the spiritual warfare they are born into and they become casualties. The carelessness that comes over Christians, the complacency, the confidence of self that lures them out to the field of destruction. I have not been a Christian long, 25 years, and believe me, it's not long. And I have seen much carnage in 25 years because of willful ignorance and complacency. God has provided for us the spiritual armor that we might be effective against the enemy. And our text is going to emphasize the purpose of the armor to enable us to stand, withstand, and to end up standing against the enemy. In other words, to be victorious. Let me read our text. It's one verse. Verse 13 of chapter 6. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The victory in spiritual warfare depends on three things, Paul tells us here. First, the believer's responsibility. Secondly, the believer's res resistance. And thirdly, the believer's resourcefulness. And they're found in this verse. Let's begin by looking at the first, the believer's responsibility. This is the beginning. This is the first step. 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Notice first the believer is responsible to have the same mind and to come to the very same conclusion. You know what the word therefore means. It means on account of this, in view of the fact of all that I declare to you. This is the bottom line. This is the conclusion. So it looks back to verse 10, 11, and 12. Verse 10, the believer is weak in himself and needs to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I must agree with God on that. I must understand that clearly. Verse 11, that the believer is unable to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the stratagems of the devil. I am not sufficient in myself. I am not clever enough. I have not lived long enough. If I live a million years, I would not be able in myself. I cannot do it in my own ability. And then in verse 12, that the believer wrestles not against flesh and blood, but spiritual forces of wickedness in high places. Warfare spiritual. Mark it well, never forget it. Because the thousand a second that you forget it, you'll attempt to do it in the flesh, and you will be defeated. Knowing all of this, my own conclusion and yours should be the same. To agree that we are unable in and of our own selves to be engaged in this warfare. This is basic. This is an absolute need to be agreed upon with God. The problem is that too often we agree in head knowledge but not in the life practice. And that's where the conflict comes. Notice, secondly, the believer is responsible to be obedient. If he has the same mind, what does he have to do? To be obedient. And the statement is not an option of, for the believer. The statement is a command to take up the whole armor of God. And the phrase to take up means to receive, to take up in order to use. And what would you think if you went out to lunch and somebody invited you out there and you went to the restaurant, they picked up that fork and they said, boy, look at this fork, it's so nice. Look at how shiny it is. Look at how clean it is. Look at how equally distant the, the forks are. And boy, it's so shiny. And they order their food, but they never use their fork. All they do is talk about it. A lot of people talk about what they agree with God, but they never obey. They never use it. The tense is in the heiress imperative, a command to be obeyed at once, once for all. In other words, keep it on. Keep it on. The phrase to take up means to take up and assume in order to end up standing opposed to being clothed in verse 11. Put on. So you're clothed, but put on. Assume that position. Assume that posture. You know, sometimes when you get too close to a dog and he just, you know, he just assumes a position. You go, oh, okay. You know, you back off. Assume that position, knowing you're in warfare. The command assumes certain things. First, the command assumes the ability. Real basic here. It assumes the ability. Otherwise, God would not tell you and myself to do it. I, as a Christian, can only say, I will not. I can never say, I cannot. You and I need to understand that. The ability assumes dependency. I cannot do it in myself. And the dependency assumes personal responsibility. Here we are at full circle. I am personally responsible to put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. 
the respective parts are vital because they work as a whole. They work in conjunction with one another. They're all fitly joined. He gives us this in verse 14 on down. In verse 14, our ways is to be girded with God's truth to strengthen us and to have free movement and not to be tripped up in battle. He would have his girdle or his belt and the breastplate would be attached to it, the sword would be tied to it, and it held everything together so that he would have free movement to move in battle. He would not be entangled with anything. He would be girded, strength in his loins. Secondly, in verse 15, our feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, ready to proclaim it. It's the only thing that's going to give stability to people in life. It's the only thing that's going to bring true peace, first with God, then throughout life. Nothing else will do it. Our shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, not having confidence in ourselves, I hide behind that shield. I see the fiery missiles of the enemy. I hide behind it because all it takes is one shot. Our minds protected by the helmet of salvation so as not to be distracted and lured out into the flesh by the enemy. You see, he's going to try everything to lure you out in the flesh. And the second he gets you out in the flesh, you're dead because you are no match for him or I in the flesh. You must do this warfare in the Spirit of God. All of this section is presupposed by chapter 5, verse 18. Continue to be filled with the Spirit of God. He reiterates it in a different form in verse 10. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The flesh is unable to deal with the spiritual warfare. And you start dealing with things just with your mind, your cleverness, and your ability to control. And, well, I'll do this and that. You're dead. He's luring you out. What do you do when you go fishing? You're putting that stinking worm out there, and you're saying, look, I got sudden for you. But you don't tell him what it is you have. So you lure him out. That's what Satan does. He wants to lure you out from the spirit into the flesh. And then he has you on his territory. Our hands holding the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, destroying the lies of Satan. Knowing God's Word. I know who I am. I know who I have believed. I know what God has done. I know what God has promised. I'm not moved by my emotions, by my feelings, by my situation. There's pain. There's opposition. There's, there's end of myself. But you abide. Our hearts dependent on God always in prayer. That's part of the armor. So as to be vigilant, steadfast, and asking for wisdom and guidance for further orders in the battle, being able to see the invisible warfare. A soldier, when he goes out, he goes out with orders, but when he's in the field, he's got to report back to base, find out if the strategy has changed, if anything's going on. Because if he doesn't, he's dead. Because the enemy's tricky. The enemy has a plan. The believer, to be victorious, must acknowledge his own inability to win in his own strength. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 41, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The word weak there is impotent. It is not sufficient to do the job. The failure of our youth and of our, our own strength is to think that we can do it. Oh, I've been, no, no, no. Remember Samson, he says, I will shake, he shook himself off and said, I will go out as other times. But he knew not that the spirit of the Lord had departed from him. 
Oh, make sure that you get up with your whole armor. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said in John 15, 5. Every believer to be victorious must take up the whole armor of God, being of the same mind. We are in agreement with what the Spirit reveals to us, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 14. I has not seen, ear has not heard. Neither has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And he goes on to speak how we receive the things of God by the Spirit of God, not by our flesh. He tells the Galatians, are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now going to be made perfect in the flesh? Galatians 3.3. 3. It's a foolish step. Every believer is to be victorious because he is exercising personal obedience to take up the whole armor of God for his or her own personal victories. Paul the Apostle said this to the Philippians, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to speak how he became a man. He emptied himself of his glory and he took on the form of a servant. And for that reason, God has so highly exalted him that he's given him a name above every other name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let this mind be in you. What did he do? Being God, he emptied himself and depended wholeheartedly on the Father for everything. Knowing that the flesh was not sufficient. The greatest example for us. Again, Paul tells the Romans in Romans 13, 12, put on the armor of light. He's talking about the same thing. He tells the Thessalonians, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplates of faith and love and as the helmet of salvation, the hope of salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. These metaphors Paul used. Remember, Paul is in prison. Paul is there and there's a guard guarding him uh, of the elite of Rome the Praetorium Guard, and he's making the analogies of the warfare in the spirit. The victory in spiritual warfare depends on the believer's responsibility to take up the whole armor of God. All of it. But notice, secondly, is the believer's resistance. The armor's first. The obedience, take it up. But resistance, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now notice, first of all, the believer is to resist the spiritual attack. It seems real basic, doesn't it? But that's where people fail, isn't it? There's no resistance at all. Satan comes by with his lure, boom, they're gone. And then they're, oh, I, I'm never going to do it again. Honest. And we swear, we swear, we promise. Don't promise. Just abide in Christ. Because you'll eat crow again. Because in your flesh, you're not able to, nor am I. The apostle declares that you may be able to withstand once again. The word withstand means to stand against, face to face, to resist and oppose. The Bible says that we are to be people who resist opposition in the spirit. Notice the word against is a key word here in the passage. It appears five times. One time in verse 11, four times in verse 12. Against, 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 against. It's warfare. It's opposition. The believer is not to back down or give in to the spiritual attacks. The ability to stand is implied clearly. The ability to resist is also implied clearly. The willingness to yield is what is necessary. 
To yield to the ability is evident by the believer's what? Resistance. If you don't resist, then it's evidence that you're not willing to yield to the ability. That's what it says, people. I don't like to admit that because that puts me in the same boat as you. But that's the way it is. The believer is told certain things within the scriptures about this ability. First of all, we are to know that Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5.8. That's why we resist. We have that ability. We are to resist the devil steadfast in the faith, 1 Peter 5.9. Not in ourselves, once again, in the faith. Notice, secondly, the believer is to resist a very specific time, in the evil day. The apostle specifies here the resistance of the believer by this phrase, in the evil day. Now, there are various opinions of people what it really means. Jerome interpreted it to mean the day of judgment. Wesley interpreted it to mean the testings at death or in life. Others interpret it to mean the period immediately preceding the second coming of Christ because the word is used in association with the return of Christ. And still others interpret it to mean the attacks on the believer in this present age. Now, having these various opinions, let's look at our text. What does our text teach? Notice the article, the, is present, and it's true to the Greek text. The article is present. It makes it as a special or specific time distinct from the norm. It's a given that we are born into warfare. Opposition will always be there. But now he's being very, very specific. The word evil is ponderized. It means evil in return with the purpose to defeat the believer in the active opposition. Now, since the warfare being discussed is addressed to all believers, it must be applicable to all believers, right? But in a sense now, apart from the normal warfare, he says, in the evil day. Therefore, I believe that the evil day refers to the determined attacks when things are at their worst in the believer's life and when Satan pounces on him or her with all his forces described in verse 12. There are times when he will attack you and me in a way like no other time. On whatever area that might be. And it will be a time of very, very strong difficulties. The ability is there. The command is to take up. The wisdom is to resist. Those times, I presume, you have gone through at one time or another. Almost to the point where you want to just give up or, or, or just say, what's, what's the sense? This, I believe, is what he's describing. Peter reminds us of these things, but he calls them fiery trials in 1 Peter 4, 12, and 13. He says we shouldn't think it's strange when they happen to us. We are destined to those things. It will refine our faith and make it more valuable than gold that perishes. A difficult testing in your job. A trial with your child in his teen years. 
and unfaithfulness in your marriage. Your brokenheartedness over your daughter's lifestyle. Whatever it may be. It will be a fiery trial. It will be an intense fight. It will be the greatest attempt and attack to lure you into the flesh so you can be defeated. Withstanding as a result of assuming one's position in battle. The principle is basic. Resistance against the force will result in increased strength. And this is the most evident in weightlifters. They place upon themselves a greater weight than they can really endure. And they overload the muscle so that blood rushes in and the muscle breaks down. So when it rebuilds, it rebuilds bigger and stronger. And then they put on more weight. And they're constantly resisting. And in the resistance, they become stronger and stronger and stronger. If they stop resisting, the muscle levels out and it begins to go down again. How much more in the spirit? You remember Joseph? He consistently resisted the attacks of Potiphar's wife. Lay with me. And then came the final one, the fiery one, in the evil day when she grabbed his cloak. And as his persistency to say no, and his consistency had built strength, he had the strength to run naked. His running naked was not a coincidence. His running naked was not a Fear. His running naked was the result of the strength that he gained by the consistent persistence against the pressures of the temptation. You give in, you'll be weaker next time. It's a basic principle, people. The believer to be victorious must recognize who the enemy is and his host. Any soldier knows that. Verse 12 gives it to us. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. All these are the different ranks, like private, lance corporal, corporal, all the way up. Fallen angels who are there as your enemy. They work, and they are part of the army of the enemy. He is... The fallen angel who rebelled against God, and you find that in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, how he rebelled against God because he wanted to be God. He is the one who introduced sin to, to Eve in Genesis 3, verse 1 through 6. He is the one who deceives the nations, Ezekiel 28 and Re Revelation 20 says. He is the God of this world, the prince and the power of the air, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. He is the liar, the father of lies, Jesus said in John 8, 44. He drew a third of the heavens of the angels with him in Revelations 12, 4 tells us. He's an incredible deceiver. He is subtle and he has defeated the wisest of them all and the strongest. Samson, who was declared to be the wisest of man, was lured out into the flesh. Isn't it interesting that Samson lost his eyes? They plucked them out. 
You see, when we trust in ourselves that we think we can see what we really see, we're really blind. But when we trust in God's direction and His Word, then we'll be able to see. Pastor Xavier Reese with the Roadmap to Spiritual Victory, the Incredible Word of God. Now, there's more to come, and we'll finish this study next time we're together. But if you won't be able to join us, you can pick up an unedited copy of this message, and the title to ask for is Standing to be Victorious. It's available on CD for only $4. And this is a great way to share this ministry with a friend. Once again, the title to ask for is Standing to be Victorious, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Is it possible to experience spiritual victory? Find the answer when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. That's next time. Don't miss it. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 